My name is Jeremy, and along with my wife, man, we, we pastor uh, just an incredible church full of incredible people. And uh, uh, my wife, just, uh, she gave her life to Jesus when she was 18 years old. I grew up in church, and uh, I don't know who needed more salvation, her or me. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and growing up in church, I remember on a Wednesday night Sunday school, Wednesday night Sunday school, I remember, I don't, I don't know if I, was, if I was fourth grade or fifth grade or even a sixth grader, but I remember I looked at my Sunday school teacher, and I, and I looked at him, and I said, uh, listen, we've been learning about the Bible. Uh, we have that little, that little uh, mesh board with a figurine Bible character stuck to it. I mean, I'm talking about I don't know what you call that. And uh, they would move it around, Jesus or the apostles. And I'm talking to baby boomers right now. That's okay. And, uh, and, and so we would have these Bible lessons, and we would learn about God's Word, and, and we would learn just really great, important scriptures. We, we, if we memorized them, we got candy, you know, or a prize or something like that. I remember one Wednesday night, I looked at my Sunday school teacher, and I said, how do I know this book is real? And he kind of looked at me, you know, and I said, how do I know? It's, it's you know, my mom's cookbook isn't the inspired uh, uh, cookbook, because what she makes is delicious, you know. And I remember looking at my Sunday school teacher going, how do I know the Bible is real. And I remember he looked at me and just kind of, you know, he wasn't a pastor, you know, he, he wasn't a theologian, you know, he was, he was just a, a dad who was there to help out. And he looked at me and he said, we just believe. And I looked at him and said, believe what? We just believe it's, it's real. And I walked out of there going, okay, that's, that's it. And I had to go on a journey of, do I really believe that God's word is real. Do I really believe God's word is true? And that's kind of my answer today. So as we talk about is the Bible is essential, we go, yes, amen. But how do we know, Pastor Jeremy? I really just have to tell you, we just we just believe. We just we just we just do. We just we believe that, that God's word is living, it's active, it's powerful. We we believe God's word. It, it says He is the way, the truth, the life. We we believe that we be confessed with our mouth, believe in our heart that we are saved. Why? Because we're saved by grace, through God's grace, but also through faith. We just have faith that we believe. And so the topic of my uh, uh, message today is it's all about the Bible. But also, uh, if you weren't here last week, and as well as online, we have partnered with YouVersion, uh, God approved, and so we started this last week, but I'm going to put it up one more time this week. You have our sermon notes on the YouVersion app, and so you can download the, uh, in the Google Store, kind of a weird thing to say, but, or the App Store, and you could download this. You could scan this QR code uh, right here, or you could just go right into the YouVersion app, and you could hit My Church. You could say Avenue Church is your church, and then you can have sermon notes right there. And so uh, online, this is available for you as well, so make sure you scan that. I know our amazing online team, they're putting the link into the comments as well. And then I want the OGs in the room to raise your hand. If you're taking notes on pen and paper, everybody, come on, pen and paper. I see you. All right. I'm so glad for that. And so let's take some notes today, but I'm going to, we're going to fasten our seatbelts. You guys ready for this? I'm going to teach. All right. I got my teaching sweater on and, and I'm going to teach and then I hope I can preach. Uh, but the first thing I really want to debunk before I teach us how to study God's word, teach us how to read God's word, I want to debunk this statement. The Bible had books removed from it. That's kind of the first thing I want to debunk, and there's several debunks or things I want to address today. But if you know the Bible, the Bible has 66 books 
in the Bible. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. There's 27 in the New Testament. Now, there's kind of a, a belief out there, and, and this is what I've seen from social media. This is what I've seen from uh, man, just conversations with individuals, as well as what culture has, has, has been saying as of recently. But that, yes, there's 66 books of the Bible now, but before there was 70 or 80 or whatever number it was, and I've heard different numbers as well. And, and this is a Sunday morning sermon, so I can't just like keep going and, and we'll leave here at 2 o'clock because we do have an 11 a.m. service. Never Everybody said, amen, right? And so with that, the, the original idea came from the Council of Nicene, the Council at Nicene. Now, I want you to know, this, this really did happen. This was a council that did take place, but they didn't do anything with the Bible, all right? They didn't remove books from the Bible. They didn't just decide and say, you know what, we're going to remove books from the Bible. And if you haven't heard this before, now you have something called apologetics, right? Now we have something to say, hey, I learned about something about this on Sunday morning at Avenue Church. And so at the Council of Nicene, they did not remove books from the Bible, but what they did at this council is they created the Nicene Creed, which is very similar to the Judeo-Christianity values. But really, this is where it came from. The Council of Nicene came from Da Vinci Code. In the Da Vinci Code, if you've read the books or watched the movies, in the Da Vinci Code, they said, oh, there's this, this, and this, this, and you got to go over here, get the treasure here, da, da. And the Council of Nicene removed books from the Bible. And in the removed book of the Bible, there's blah, 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 treasure hidden, all these different things. And so that is kind of the first thing I want to debunk. Because I want you to know there is something called the canon of Scripture. We're, we're, we're learning something today, all right? All right? This is like two minutes in. We're flying. Now, there's something called the canon of Scripture. Now, the canon of Scripture means the canon refers to, when I hit this, all right, when I hit the bottom, uh, the canon refers to a measuring rod or a standard. All right? So, like, when... when I design something, I have a standard for it, right? You know, or, or if my wife asks me to do something, and I know you're watching online, she has a cannon for that, you know, like a standard or a measuring stick. And I love this commentary as it talks about the cannon. This designates the exclusive collection of documents in the geo-Christian tradition. Now, when you see this word, this means Judaism and Christianity, right? These are two foundational religions that have come to be regarded as Scripture, the Jewish canon, or standard, or measuring, was written in both Hebrew and Aramaic, while the Christian canon was written in the Greek. But the most important thing to grasp is the fundamental reason why these 66 books became the canon. Why when we read God's word, we can trust it. We can have faith in it. We can go, okay, this is legit. This scripture over here is, is great, but it's not inspired. And so it says this, not because of early Christians really liked these books. It wasn't like, oh, keep that in there. That was awesome. It's not because they didn't like it. Or it's not because they were widely accepted or, or, or because some church council, like the Council of Nicene, decided to make them authoritative. Rather, it is because the early church recognized these books as an inherent authority for how Christians live and what they believe. They believe that these books would have the same authority through all generations. The church understood them as scripture as the authoritative words of God given through human authors. The inspired word of God. Now I'm going to list out just really quick seven Judeo-Christian 
values. There's, if you read, if you study, there's, there's 12 Judeo-Christian ethics. There's uh, 10, 12. There's so many different examples, but they're all from God's Word. And for just for time's sake, I'm going to use seven in just a moment. Here is the Judeo-Christian values. This is foundational across Christ-centric religions, and this is what it is. Number one, there is no God. Can I get an amen? Oh, sorry. There is, what did I just say? I was testing you. There is one God. Some of you, a first-time guest just went, what kind of church are we in? I promise you, Jesus is Lord here. All night audience, I promise you. There is only one God. Number two, God created the world and everything in it. Amen? Human beings are created in the image of God. Amen? The nuclear family is the foundation of society. Amen? Without God, there is no moral truths, only opinions. You can say amen. We are a product of original sin. The world functions according to divine order, and people benefit to the extent that we live in alignment with that order. This is what we see from Genesis all the way to Revelation. But the second thing I want to debunk, and I think it's more popular, is the Bible is written by man, not by God. The Bible was written by man, not by God. Yes, God didn't come down and go, give me that pen and paper, and let me write this. Yes, God did go to the Ten Commandments, and, right? But, it, but a lot of us be, begin to say, God, 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 this, these were not God's word, these were man's words. But I want you to see this. God's word were given through men, superintended by the Holy Spirit, so that the writings are without error. There's a big Bible word called inerrant. Meaning God's word is, is without void, but yes, it is, it is also true and without error. It is without error. Second Timothy chapter 2, all scripture is inspired. Everyone say inspired. Inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, what is to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good Work. I hope you see the connections here. But I want you to see God's, all Scripture is inspired. Inspired means God breathed in the original language. It means God breathed in the original language. I want you to know the Bible has had many, 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 uh, uh, man, many canons to go through. Many measurements to go through. Man, the Bible, and this is where it comes to, we believe. We believe that Hebrews chapter uh, 4, for God's word is alive and it's powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So God's word is living, it's active, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. God's word is alive today. But in order to know God, Friends, we must know his word. We must know his word. And this is for me as your pastor. This is where the connection for me growing up, going, how do I know it's real? It's inspired. How do I know it's inspired? It just is. How do I know? I had to go from me, from, from me questioning it, which is, I think is a great, when you start asking questions in church, I think you're on a great journey. You're on a great path. But it started from me questioning to me, to me, to me reading it, to me studying it, to me obeying it, and then I experienced it. 
And that's when my faith grew. And I said, this stuff is real. This stuff works. God spoke to me. God let me. God, uh, man, there have been moments when I read my Bible, and I just happened, I'm going to do quotation marks, right? I just happened to read exactly what I needed to read in the season that I was in. Anyone else? Anyone else in this room? Or I just happened to read something in my daily scripture reading. I didn't want to read it. I don't, I'd rather surf the internet. I'd rather surf Instagram or TikTok. But the moment I sit down and go, where am I at today? What's today? Uh, September 17th. Open up in my Bible uh, to my devotional. My devotional leads me to my Bible. And all of a sudden I read something that I exactly needed to hear. Whether it was something I was asking for or this is fun. Or something that God needed to correct me on and put me back into his alignment. So friends, at every sermon you hear, every TikTok you see, every Instagram reel, every YouTube video, every conversation that you have, every single sermon I speak on on Sunday mornings at Avenue Church, you should always challenge what you hear. You should always find it for yourself. I've had people come back and go, Pastor, did you mean? And sometimes I've made mistakes, and I always pray every single Sunday, Lord, let my words be your words. Let everything I say is true according to the canon of your scripture. I just, I don't, Pastor Lindsay and I and every guest speaker that we have and live duly and all those, man, we take this seriously because you should always challenge what you hear. So I'm going to try to have some fun in this topic today, all right? Uh, uh, there's a popular phrase that says, God won't give you more than you can handle. And everybody said. But how many know this isn't true? And it's not found in Scripture anywhere. But we go, God won't give me anything I can't handle. And then when he gives us too much we can't handle, we go, God's not real. Or God hates me. But this conversation right here, God won't give you more than you can handle, really comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, no temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to everybody else. This doesn't mean nothing. This, okay, I'll continue. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So if you can handle it, then you don't need him to get you out of it. See where that kind of the, this interpretation comes in. See, if God won't give me anything I can't handle because God, I can handle it. And God's saying, well, then how can I provide it? How can I step in for it? How can I show you that my word is living and it's active and it's powerful? There's another scripture, uh, probably one of my favorites, Romans chapter 14. Vegetarians have weak faith. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's right here. I mean, it's right here in the Bible. It's, we should just keep this up here for a while, huh? Uh, Romans 14, 2. Now, this entire context, though, see, a lot of times, a lot of, uh, a lot of times we take one verse out and we go, hmm, this is God's word. Yeah. And sometimes on the other side of that coin, they go, uh, this is why God's word is not true. Wow. This is why your Bible, you read, and your church, and your religion is, isn't right or real. But this entire context of Scripture, if you begin to study that out, it means do not condemn somebody else. So I'll talk about condemnation. How about this from 1 Kings? This is one I saw recently. 
David slept with his fathers. I know it's a Sunday morning, but I read that and I went, what? Who, who put that into out of context? So I go to Second, uh, First Kings chapter 2, and it said David died, and then David slept with his fathers. Well, he's dead. So I had to look in the original language. They say he, David was buried with his yeah. ancestors. Yeah. He was buried with grandpa and great-grandpa. and So, yeah, he's sleeping. Because <laughs> here's the problem, and this is a great, and, and hear me out. Here's the problem, but I think it's a wonderful thing, that every reader is an interpreter. Every single thing we read, you're interpreting it. Every single thing I read, I'm interpreting it. But the problem is we interpret the Bible based on our experience, our culture, and prior understanding. Right? Hey, thank you. Come on, someone's clapping. I appreciate you. Man, be, be in my life. Sit in the front row. No. But we interpret the Bible based on our experiences our culture, and our prior understanding. Yeah. You know, um, I heard a context to this joke, but i got to reword it because it's Sunday morning. But 2,000 years from now, they're going to try to figure out what the difference between, you know, TikTok and a clock. Uh, right? They're going to have to try to find out the difference between what does it mean to, to hang up the phone when there, there was nowhere for the phone to be hung on. <laughs> but it all has to do with our our, our proper context, our culture, and our understanding. See, we're trying to fit 2023 yeah. into 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, but here's the problem. Incorrect interpretation can lead to contradicting verses. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, there's, there are some things in the Bible we just can't take literally. Yeah. There's just some things in the Bible we can't just read and go, See? It's yeah. like that! Yeah. Because there's more to the meaning. But the goal of interpretation is to get the plain meaning of the text and get the author's intended meaning, meaning, not uniqueness. So I challenge you to challenge everything you hear. I challenge you. You see something good on YouTube? That'll preach. Challenge it. And what do I mean by challenge it? Study it. Write it down. Find out how they got that context. Find out where he, he or she uh, heard it or, or studied it or where they got it from. I want you to know if we're interpreting God's word to get the plank, go back, get, get, I'm, I'm scared to look at the TV. Yeah, like, yeah, to, to get the plain meaning of the text and the author's intended meaning and not the uniqueness of it. And I have to tell you that I've been, I've been guilty of this before. Where we take God's word and we try to make it so unique when God's word is the same today, yesterday, yesterday, forever. God's word is true. But it comes alive when there's the Holy Spirit. And then we tie it with today's understanding. That's when we go, oh, I've never seen that before. That, that's incredible. That's awesome. But when, we, when others translate God's word to say, I've never heard that before, it might be too good to be biblically accurate. Yeah. Biblically true. All right, we good? Yeah. I could close out right now, couldn't I? But here's what we're going to do. We're, gonna, we're going to, so that's kind of the first half of my sermon, is to say God's word is inspired, it's living, it's yeah. active, but every reader is an interpreter. Yes. 
Every single thing that we read has to be interpreted. And so here's a method I'm going to use today called SOAP. SOAP. And so I'm going to challenge you in just a moment to do the SOAP method of reading and studying God's Word. And so here's what SOAP is. Uh, first one is S, Scripture. Scripture means I'm going to read a passage in the Bible to understand what God wants to speak to you. I'm going to pick a verse that stands out, and then I'm going to write in my journal. So a lot of times if I'm reading, and, and for me, I like to read, I just I read through the Bible once a year. Um, once I found, last year I found a version uh, Bible plan that made me read it through 30 days. I read through the entire Bible in 30 days. Uh, I don't recommend that. That's wild. I mean, uh, and I do like work, I promise you. And, um, but anytime I read God's word and a scripture stands out to me, I go, I'm going to soap this. I'm going to study this. Because I promise you, it goes hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. Make sure you listen to our Holy Spirit series last year. But the Holy Spirit cannot add to the Bible. The Holy Spirit points us to the Bible. And so as we're reading God's Word, and some, for some reason, a scripture will just stand out, and it never stood out before, I want you to write it down. That might be your scripture. So pick a verse, and I want you to stay in that scripture. And what I like to do in that scripture is I like to, oh, I like to observe it. I'm going to have some observation. Now hear me out. I like to observe Scripture without any help. I like to say, God, and I, typically I like to pray before I soap it. But I, I say, God, what are you, what are you saying? God, what, is this, what does this mean? And I do it for two reasons. Because I want, I, want I want the inspired uh, word of God to speak to me. Because that's what inspire, inspiration means, right? I want it to speak to me. But also, I want to say, God, why does this stand out to me today? Yeah. Why, why is this important for me to know today? Then I write things down. But the second reason why I do that is to see if I'm correct. I want to see if I'm, if, like, am I remotely close? Am I getting better at this? But then I, we do something that's called exegete. Where obviously you ask the Holy Spirit to help you explain Jesus' message in your own words, in a journal. But then we do what's called exegete. Exegete simply means I'm going to ask some very important questions. And so as I observe it, I say this is what I think is going on in the Bible. You know, David, he was, he was sleeping with his fathers, you know. And write down what you think it means. But then ask these questions. Who are the main, who are the main characters? What is happening? Where do the events occur? Where, where, where is this at? You know, we, I did this with our, our men on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night. And we begin to realize Paul's saying, man, you could do it. Man, you could persevere. And then we later realize Paul's in prison. Saying, you could do it. You could persevere. If I can, you can. It changed our entire perspective of the scripture. Yeah. So where do the events occur? When do they occur? What timeline? Why did this occur? And how did they occur? What we're doing is we're finding the historical and the literal and the content and the context of that Scripture. Now, there's another thing I want to debunk as I'm like, I'm crazy teaching this morning. You're like, this church is so boring. I promise you we're fun. But in the context of all this, I want to debunk something. You do not need to be a pastor or a theologian to read God's Word. You're able to do it. You're able to do it. Now, there's some resources that I have. I brought uh, some study Bibles that I have. And, uh, and yes, I like paper as well as 
digital resources, but go ahead, and this is on the Uversion study notes as well. Uh, man, I, used to, I started out with the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. It's got a concordance in the back. I could break down Greek and Hebrew words. It even has maps, everybody, and it's fun to see uh, man, after I read something and I say, okay, God, what does this mean, and this is what, who, where, what, why, how. I ask all those questions. Then I go to study Bibles. Then I go to commentaries. Then I see what it really meant. Then I see the context. Then I see who wrote it. Where did they write it? And so I use study Bibles. I use Bible dictionaries. I use commentaries. But also with the commentary, you got to know what they believe as well. Uh, Logos.com, they have free resources on there. Blueletterbible.org is free. Uh, Study Bibles on there. Bible Gateway is one that's in the Uversion app. That's really good as well. And so these are some resources. So we're going to pick a scripture. We're going to observe it. We're going to study it. But then A is extremely important. We're going to apply it. I'm going to apply it. To apply it means to make it personal and to think about how these verses relate to your life now. Write about how they could apply to you today. And this is where you get to preach to yourself. Right? You don't get to preach to somebody else. All right? Oh, I got something to tell my wife. (laughs) Oh, I got something to tell that dork in the cubicle. Three dork. Yeah, I'm going to... This is something where you can ask God to speak to you. God, why, why did this verse stand out? The things that I learned in this verse, how does it apply to me today? How does it apply to me today? It's a fancy word called hermeneutics. And hermeneutics makes the text relevant for us today. Every single week as your pastor, I always try to give you the context. I want to exegete scripture with you, give you the full context of it. But then I want to have some, some hermeneutics. I want to make it relevant for us today. How does this apply to me today? So, good. so write that down in a journal. Write it down in your notes. I even write down on the large margins of my Bible just things that I'm encouraging myself, challenging myself. Say, Jeremy, you need to work on this. Jeremy, you need to focus on this. Holy Spirit, thank you for saying this. Holy Spirit, uh, this is tough to hear today. So I find Scripture. I observe it and I study it, but then I I apply it. But the last thing is I pray. I pray it. I pray it. See, friends of God's word is living and it's active and it's powerful. If if God's word is the true inspired word of God, if God's word is cover to cover all about Jesus Christ and his promises, that I'm going to stand on God's word and pray God's words. And so I help to pray it. I keep it simple. Ask God to help you use the scripture to understand what he's trying to say. And hear me out. If you get discouraged and you go through the whole soap method, you I have no idea what this means. Don't be be discouraged. I want you to save it for another day. But remember, prayer is a conversation. So listen to what God might be saying and write write about it in your prayer journal. And then I want to challenge you, share it with somebody. Share it with your husband, your wife. Share it with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Share it with your small group as you join one this week. Share it with a mentor. Say, did I get this right? Did I do okay on this? Is this like total heresy or did I? And I want you to begin to ask questions as we learn to to read and study God's word. Guys good? You all right? I'm trying over here, all right? And so here's the Essentials Bible Challenge. I double dog dare you to read the Bible every single day using the sub method. 
I double dog dare you to read the Bible every day using the sub method. So scripture, observe, apply, and prayer. Everyone say it with me. Say F, scripture. scripture. O. Observe. A. Application. P. Prayer. Every single day. And, because I'm a good pastor, read the Bible with a small group. That's good. Read your Bible with a small group as well. But then I want you to join our version Bible reading plan. So all I did was I picked an easy five-day reading plan. And if you scan this QR code, friends, and this is going to help somebody, you're going to read it with us. And you're going to read it with me. And you're going to read it with your neighbor if they scan the code and, and join the version plan. This is a public plan, not our plan. Someone else wrote it. Someone else is guiding us in the Scripture. But we're just going to do five days. And we're going to read God's Word together. And I, and I encourage you, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you skip a day, we love you, we understand. Life is life, we get it, but we also see it as well. And so five days to read God's <laughs> Word together if you choose to follow this reading plan. So scan it, it's going to lead you to our Version Avenue page. You're going to see a plan there. You could join it. Sermon notes are there. God's awesome. We're doing a good work at Avenue Church. But here's what I want to close with today. I've used this illustration before. But the first part of this message, I talk about how important God's word is, debunking some things. Oh, pastor, I've heard books were taken out. I heard they're just throwing books in there. I've heard this and that. So we try to debunk that. Then I used the, the bunk of a man, it was written by man. It's this and that. It's false. And we did that. Then we talked about how God's word is inspired by God. It's living. It's active. Man, it's not just inspired, but it's God breathed. The same, the same breath and the same words that said that there be light is bringing me from darkness into the light. And so I want you to know, I've used this illustration before. And I, so we talked about how God's word is, is true and we got to have faith in that. How do I know? Just, just got to have faith. And I teach you, I've taught you how to, how to read it, how to study it. And friends, I challenge you, when you read it and you study it, even with a bad attitude, even with, I don't believe it, but fine, you all take up on your stupid five-day challenge. Even if you have a, a hard heart against it, yeah. I promise you, I promise you, the more you read it, the more you study it, the more you're going to experience it. Yeah. And when you experience it, man, your faith begins to grow. There's a study released, and I love this, by the Center of Bible Engagement. I've used this before. But it says if you read the Bible at least four times a week, they notice out of 40,000 Americans from 8 to 80 years old. Now, I've seen a lot of research where it's like four people, you know, but this is 40,000 individuals from 8 to 80 years old. And they found that 30% were less likely to struggle with being lonely. When they read God's Word at least four times a week. We're going to do a five, baby. It says this, the second one. 74% less likely to gamble. There must be a void that's being filled when we read God's Word. They're 59 less likely, 59% less likely to view pornography. But then here's the good news. 407% more likely to memorize Scripture. 407% more 
228% more likely to share their faith with others. Because you're going, I've experienced it. It's real. This is awesome. Why didn't you tell me before? And then I love this last one. You're 231% more likely to, to disciple others. Because as you experience it, you believe it. As you believe it, you see it. You see it. And so I'm going to do this. is how I'm going to close today. I'm going to do some scripture with you. So do me a favor. Will you stand with me, please? And this will be in the version app. But I'm going to do this with you. And I want you to know, I've been, uh, I've been in ministry for 21 years. Uh, what, 11 or 12 of those years, I did a bad job reading the Bible. But I did my best, all right? Because what happens is we just grow. Yes. We, just, we just grow. We grow with mentors. We grow with the right people in our lives. We grow with people that are smarter than us, that lead us and guide us. We, we grow. We grow. There are future pastors and teachers that will be on this stage that are in this room today. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. we're growing. We're all growing. But here's, I'm going to start with a scripture, and I just picked Romans chapter, uh, chapter 10. So I'm going to go S. This is S for me today, okay? S. Huh? Online S. I'm just going to start with scripture. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a good verse. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that verse. That's good. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. So it's by believing that what I openly declare and I believe it, it's just by believing it, you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Okay, that's, that's nice. As scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. As scriptures tell us, quotation, quotation, as the scriptures, okay, I believe you. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. Oh, I wonder what this means. This probably means it's everyone's included, right? Uh, they have the same Lord, and it's, it's one true God, not the other thing I said. And for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's my scripture. So Holy Spirit, what, what are you saying in this, in, this, in this verse? What are you saying in this scripture? May I believe that if I confess with my mouth, but I make it public, and I just believe in my heart, that I will be saved. I'm made right with God. Yeah. It is not because Pastor Jeremy said it. Yeah. It's not because I heard some guy or some gal on YouTube say it or on TV say it. It's because I believe God's word is true. And I believe that if I just, if I believe with my heart, then I, I'm saved. And I've had moments where I go, Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm going to be made right with you. I'm going to be made right with you. And as I continue to read this and I begin to write down things. And I said that 21-year thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 40, but a Christian most of my life. And God's Word still excites me. Yeah. It still hits me between the eyes. Yeah. It still floors me. I had a mentor who was 74 years old. He said the Bible still excites him. It's still, he still finds new things in God's Word. He's been, he was preaching for over 50 years in the ministry. So there's some things I observed that I went into in some commentaries and study Bibles. I observed that, that God already did what was needed. So all we need to do is believe. And it's not something you need to do. It's not something you need to sacrifice, but it's simply by believing. And salvation is, is near for everybody. Yes. 
this isn't some some club or some background checks needed or or man where, where you come from and, and God's not doing that this is it's for everybody but belief is important to believe is so important it, it, it has more than you than just raising a hand or just saying I said the prayer but it's saying I believe I believe that was my prayer today and my confession is so necessary because faith comes by hearing. Now I love this. Paul said, as scriptures say, so this is what Paul said. Uh, I went back to this. Go, go ahead, go forward, go forward. As scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him would never be disgraced. As the scriptures tell us. Now I didn't need a crazy like commentary or Bible. Very right next to the uh, verse, this is verse 11, but then there's this little number, this little number, and the number, I looked at the number in the margins, it had a number next to Isaiah. And so what Paul says, as scripture tells us, no one's disgraced, he's referencing Isaiah 28. And this is what Paul says, here's my application. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. And I went, that is perfect for essentials. I didn't plan this. But man, if I built my house on the rock, if I place all my trust in Jesus, I will not collapse when trials and tribulation comes my way. When the winds and the waves show up, I'll be okay because I'm standing on Jesus. Man, not on myself. I am not God. He is Lord of my life. And it says this, it is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never to be shaken. So what's my application? It is safe to trust Jesus. It is safe to give him your life. So let's pray this. We, we've read scripture, we observed it, now we're applying it, but let's pray. Everybody, bow our heads, close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you your word is living. I thank you your word is active. I thank you your word is powerful. Father, I thank you your word applies to us today. Father, I thank you your word was written to them, but it's for us here on this earth today. So, Father, I thank you that when we confess with our mouth, Father, we are made right with you. When we believe in our heart, you not only forgive us, but, Father, we're right standing with you once again. That, Father, I thank you that you are our firm foundation. Father, I'm tired of building my life on sand. I'm tired of building my life on my thoughts and my opinions and my needs. I'm going to build my life on the Word of God, on the living, active, powerful Word of God. And, Father, I know that if I do that, Holy Spirit, through my experiences, through my heartaches, through my trauma, through my church hurt, I am now here to know that it is safe to trust you. It is safe to give you my life. I can trust you with my life. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. I pray. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want to pray a prayer. I want to be in right standing with God. Because you know what I love about God's Word? I could just preach on how to read it people are going to still give their life to him because that's the Holy Spirit's job that's the Holy Spirit that's what he loves to do so with every head bowed of eye closed I think many of us in this room you want the opportunity to confess with our mouth that he is Lord of our life so we can be saved so that we can be right standing with God 
so that you can go on a spiritual journey with him. If, you, if that's you here today, you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Just raise a hand and say, that's me. That's me. Anyone else? One, two, three. Anyone else? Three, uh, four. Anyone else? Four. Four hands this morning. Five. Five over there. All right, let's pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, say thank you. Everybody, every single person in this room, say thank you for dying on the cross. Say thank you for paying for my sins. Say, I repent of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, the best way you know how, I'm going to live for you because I now know who I am. I am saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God.